Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. For today, we wanted to discuss health. I know that many individuals talk or think about health from different aspects, whether it's physical health, mental health, emotional health. Uh, but we really just wanted to, to talk about the importance of health, especially right now uh, when we think about COVID-19, as we think about um, us being stuck in the house for, for some time and not having the gym or being able to go outdoors and play sports with that we used to. Uh, so we wanted to have an in-depth conversation about what health looks like, you know, right now and the importance of it throughout the remainder of our lives. Uh, so I'll start off with a question and feel free to, to chime in here, gentlemen. So the first question is, you know, what does health mean to you? Uh, I guess I'll go first. So I feel like health is, you know, a series of decisions you make to do essentially decide how you want to feel. You know, if you don't put any effort into your health, you may not feel great. Uh, on the opposite end, you know, you can make really wonderful things happen. You can have a good or a bad state of health. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, for me, health is everything. I mean, it's, it's, uh, whether you're talking about mental health or physical health, uh, it is literally everything. It is the state of your being. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think I always thought of it that way. I think as I've gotten older um, and try to find balance and do other things, you start to shift. You know, at some point, you maybe think health is just what you eat. At some point, maybe you think health is just how I think with the coronavirus, we've been afforded a lot of additional time to reflect on what's important. And in some ways, health could also just be aligning on those on what those values are. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's such a broad term. And depending on when you ask somebody in terms of the stage they are in their life, you might get a different answer. Uh, but for me, it, it has it has just become everything. <laughs> So then uh, I want to go to you, Sean, on this question, because you mentioned that health is a series of decisions that you make. So then based on your line of work and your experiences, how do you, you know, help people create that framework of right decisions when it comes down to their health? Um, I do my best to try and help people understand that they're always going to get a return on their investment in terms of time they spend on their physical body, mental well-being, nutritional habits. Uh, and, you know, not investing that time is going to leave you out of control. Um, I guess due to the, the actual work I'm doing, you know, day to day, most of it is helping people keep their bodies aligned through little balancing exercises, you know, to keep their pelvis in check overcome compensation, overcome pain. And so, you know, someone that's in pain is going to be a lot more likely to listen to that. But if you're someone who's, you know, not in tune to your health and you aren't really making decisions for your health with your health in mind, then, you know, you're going to be a little bit harder to reach. Usually people come to that line of thinking through some sort of struggle. Yeah. And as I think about just my own experiences, a couple of things I'll say there. So first, um, I had knee surgery back in 2017. I had a, uh, a slight tear in my meniscus um, that required surgery. And before that, so before my surgery, I, I, I didn't think about health the, the way that I do now. I thought about of something that was 
you know, I want to think maybe high level. So like, yeah, I know I need to eat right. Yeah, I need to know I need to get rest. Yeah, I need to protect myself. That, that's pretty much it. But after my surgery, now I intentionally do specific exercises to be preventative, right? Now I make specific decisions <laughs> to make sure that, I, that I'm stronger than what I was before. So my knee never has an issue. Uh, but as I think about my parents, my grandparents, right? As I think about them, you know, with, with their health, you know, challenges that they have, which is, you know, definitely diverse in, in all different ways. Uh, my, my question always comes, you know, what can I do to kind of push them to create a sense of urgency, right? If, if I see them going down a path that may not be the most benefit to their health, especially as, 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 a, as, a, as a child, right? So I'm thinking about my parents, my grandparents, it's like, no, how can I inspire them or give them, you know, really you know, the, the, the push that they need? Because I know what it was like when I was injured and what I had to go through. Yeah. Well, you know, for older people, their systems work a little bit more slowly. So if you want to motivate an older person who's already in a deteriorated state of health to kind of turn things around, you have to illustrate for them how the systems in their body downregulate from, from not non-use. So your body is always going to reinforce something that you need and let go of something that you don't need. And, you know, most uh, senior citizens aren't using their range of motion. They're not using their body to its capability. They're not challenging their cardiovascular system. So these systems are just kind of existing in free fall and they just downregulate to a point of, you know, chronic health decondition. And then, you know, it's a long journey back up. But if someone can identify the systems in their body and stress them for short periods of time, um, you can upregulate the systems and return them to health through the, the said principle, specific adaptations to impose demands. And that might be metabolic flexibility. It might be literal flexibility. It might be, you know, having the strength in your hips to go for longer walks. You know, you could use that line of thinking on basically any aspect of your health. Yeah. yeah and I'll just, I'll just kind of toss in there from a slightly different angle. Um, you know, for us, keeping it simple is, is a really, really key thing. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially with somebody that's a little bit older, um, forget about fitness for a quick second and think about them using the computer, right? My mom assumed that, if she presses the wrong button, the computer's gonna blow up. Uh, I don't know where that comes from, but there's just this sense <laughs> of like, I don't wanna mess something up, right? So it's like, oh, hey, if I send this email, blah, blah, blah. At least a lot of times with our customers, we find that there's this intimidation, yes, fear, yes, but I think the fear is kind of wrapped in this idea that they, they could do something wrong and that will hurt themselves and make things even worse off. Um, sometimes to the point where they're like, oh, it's just not for me, which when somebody says exercise is not for me, it, it, it's actually like them saying breathing is not for me. Like you, you have to move. That's literally what your body is designed to do. So to say it's not for you just means the, your definition of it or how it's been presented to you is probably very limited. Um, I think really just keeping it simple and it's, it's like any other habit that you want to try to motivate somebody to do, right? Somebody's going to be either motivated by a why. I want to pick up my grandkids. I want to do this. I want to travel. I want to, you know, kneel down in the garden. I want to stand for a whole song. Like whatever those things are, you can try to remind them of that why and, and like 
keep that at the forefront so that they know why they're exercising. Uh, but for other people, they might be motivated by who? By identity. Um, if you view them as a, an active person um, and exercising regularly makes them an active person, then yeah, they're, they're more likely to get over the uh, thinking of it as a chore, right? Uh, they're more likely to kind of get over that barrier and just do it because it's a part of who they are. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of finding out what motivates your, your, your grandparents or whatever, and then trying to tie it to that. And then also making sure it's just the tiniest, tiniest bit. Uh, one of the other things we hear a lot too, is this notion that if it's not X amount of minutes or X, X level of intensity or whatever, then it's not enough and they might as well not start. I mean, we all know with everything, just, just get started. Just get started. Don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about how many squats. One squat today is a whole lot better than zero squats. So just do one. You'll start feeling better. Your brain will kick in and, and say, oh, this actually feels good. All the chemicals and things start flowing. And, and before you know it, you're in it. So, uh, yeah, keep it simple. This, you know, I'm listening to you guys, and I, I just want to thank you for the work that you do to start. Um, I think this recording is going to be a little bit different because my expectation is that this will help a lot of people. Um, I'm going to personally call out <laughs> a couple family members uh, because, you know, I'll start with myself. I've always been running around, right? From a child, I was running. Then there was basketball at the, at the court, um, at the, at the um, park district. We played football out in the yard. And then when sports started, I played a handful of sports in high school, played football in college, and I continue to exercise. But it's a part of my lifestyle. I define myself based on how much exercise I did this week. You know, I, I'll wake up and think about what I'm going to do today relative to what I did yesterday and what my week looks like. That's how exercise surrounds me. But I have family members who don't see it that way and see me as an outlier. And when I try to explain to them how important exercise is because I become so passionate about it and we are emotionally invested in one another, then it becomes me either judging or preaching. But right. listening to you two talk about the way exercise should be considered, um, I have a question for you. Have you, is there the opportunity or the experience where people listen? So let me, let me say this. So I've been like, hey mom, I see that your knee is not feeling as well as it should be based on the way you're walking. And my mom basically tells me to mind my business. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fine, cool. You know what I mean? Like, she's my mom, not going to tell her what to do. But I'm like, maybe you should consider getting a knee brace. Maybe you should consider physical therapy, talk to somebody. And there's this immediate shutdown of the conversation. You know what I mean? She's, it's, not a, it's not a disrespectful mind your business boy, but it's like, yeah, okay, I hear you. What's next? Um, or even, you know, I may have a conversation with my wife, for example, about different things related to health 
and fitness and how I feel about it versus how she feels about it, but she didn't play a college sport. So when we are talking about the concept of lifestyle, right? Uh, the, my activity is as if I have a degree, right? In exercise because I went to college and exercised. So I got out of college and I continue to exercise. So my skill set is running, jumping, push-ups, pull-ups, bench press when we could. Um, so here's the question. Is there a space where people listen first to why exercise is important and then find a gym? Because I feel like, you know, just listening to Sean um, talk the way I imagine he consults with his patients, that information would be good just to let people listen to as they build themselves up confidently to then start walking or to find a trainer or to go to the gym up the street. Um, so I don't know if you guys, you know, similar to how Michael and I just started a podcast, I'm wondering if there are podcasts, if there are fitness podcasts that are like, uh, encouraging or, you know, that first step to your fitness journey is investing in somebody telling you why fitness is important. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that exists, but it seems like something good. I honestly don't look around at a ton of podcasts. Like I'll go through little spurts and I'll listen to them and try and learn new stuff because I love learning. But I would say there probably is stuff like that, but I don't think it's like a, you know, a consensus or a cultural thing or really a thing at all for people to do research before they do exercise. You know, a vast majority of people uh, just look at exercise however they've come to see it. A lot of people think of it as like a chore, I guess. Um, you know, I even I worked with first to fifth graders for the last two years and, you know, got to do all kinds of cool posture research on them. But what I noticed was most of the kids were already averse to exercise at the age of like eight, you know, um, the kids who loved exercise and celebrated the things they could do with their body were the ones that worked out with their families and who had like sport supportive families who, you know, really wanted them to go out and have a good time using their body. I think the default is for people to entertain themselves with technology and that, you know, kind of removes you from your physical body and the way you feel things physically. So, you know, the majority of people are just totally disconnected from exercise. So I think there's definitely probably space in the market for a podcast like that. Uh, and that's kind of a different concept. I don't, I don't, haven't heard that before. Yeah. I I wouldn't say that there's probably something out there like that, but but Sean, what you just commented on on the increased access of technology and technology usage has made us, you know, less physically interactive. And it's like for sure, when you really, it's like, oh, well, then that will lead to people just overall not wanting to work out as much because now they're physically not moving as much. Mm -hmm. um, and when you just think about the trend, it's like, wow, okay, I just didn't actually put the two and two together that way. Because from my perspective, you know, I, I am very techie, but, you know, I, I, I grew up working out as well. I wasn't in the gym. That wasn't my thing, but I was always outside playing basketball. Like that, that's what we did always every, every day. So for me, and similar to Donald, working out or, or exercising, I should say, is, is a part of who I am and the habits that I've learned. 
but not everyone you know, grew up or have those opportunities that way. Yeah, and and I'll just kind of throw in, you know, Donald, I felt like that was an interesting question. Um, you know, is, is there a, essentially a resource to help people understand why it's important? Um, I don't actually think that's the barrier. You know what I mean? I, I don't think I don't think it's a function of whether or not somebody thinks exercise is important. If you polled a thousand people right now of all different body types, um, I'm pretty sure the majority would say, oh, definitely exercise is very important. So I don't know that it's a it's an importance issue. I think it's a um, either I don't know how to do it or I don't think I can do it or I did it once and it hurt or I did it once and I was terrible at it. So for us, you know, with, with Primal 7, a lot of what we're trying to do, most of our customers are in this category, right? They're, they're fearful of something bad happening if they try or they're, they're, I'll say, challenges instead of excuses. But, you know, for the fit person, it's like, oh, I don't have enough time. For our customer, it's more like, I don't know what to do. I'm intimidated by the options that I see out there. Sean, it sounds like you work with a lot of folks that are in this lane as well. Um, and I think for them, they're not, they're not skipping the gym, if you will, because they don't think exercise is important. I think they're just having trouble connecting to it. Um, and Sean, you alluded to that at the end of your answer. I think connecting people to exercise is, is the, the, uh, the challenge for folks like us. Um, and I think you do that by framing it on their terms. Um, a lot of times, you know, Michael Donald, you both said, okay, I'm very active and blah, blah, blah. And Donald, you were like, oh, when I'm talking to my folks, it, it's either comes off as being judgy or preachy. I get the same thing because you're talking with such passion, but you're talking based off of all your beliefs and values and all of your words and things that, you know, that, that you're coming to the table with. They may not be aligned on those things. So, so yes, it does come off as judgy because it's sounding like you're better than them because you do this thing called exercise. Um, and I think just it, it's important to kind of take that empathetic approach and really understand what is exercise to you. Let's just make sure we're even talking about the same thing, right? Because I'm not trying to get my mom to go uh, run full court with me. I'm just trying to get my mom to get in some steps during the day, uh, which just for the record, my mom kills it on steps. So this isn't a real thing. She, she's like way more active than I am like 10, 15,000 a day. She gives up every hour and a half and makes it happen. Um, but that's because she knows exercise is important. And for her, that's the way she can do it. She tried a class, doesn't work. She tried to do, you know, cram it all into 30 minutes. That also didn't work. She's just found the thing that works for her and she's been able to stick with it. And I think that's the most important part of exercise. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially since you bring up, you know, that, that topic of empathy. Um, which then lends itself or, or segues into the concept of mental health, right? Because mm -hmm. it's upon me to understand what emotions I'm feeling when I'm seeing, right? And experiencing someone else's um, challenges with physical health. So now yep. I start to have an opinion, which then for the most part probably triggers me, right? Because, because to your point, for me, Whatever I consider to be fit is what I consider to be fit. And then that's what I consider to be the standard for correct and right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do, I, I will say I do have a problem with judging 
um, I'm doing my best. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all do. It's it's right, it's, yeah. it's human nature. We all do. It's how it's how the brain figures out what's safe and what's dangerous, right? You judge. Um, so I mean, you know, <laughs> we're all working on it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah, wanted to was, add. Uh, right, sir. Um, I've been, I just started training people at my home again recently and collecting clients due to my job hmm. change. But, um, I've been getting a lot of like really deconditioned people, you know, people that can't even lay their head on the ground when they lay on their back because their posture is so poor and things like that. Hmm. And I'm finding that if I can help that person feel their body and do something with it that feels good, then I can use their pleasure seeking response to encourage them to do things on their own time. And my clients that are finding more and more things that help them feel better are just accelerating their time spent on their body and they get excited about it and they start looking for more ways to feel better. And now, you know, they're doing all these exercises every day and paying attention to how they're working and sitting and sleeping. And they realize, like what we've talked about earlier, that, you know, those kinds of decisions are the ones that make a difference. You know, something happened to bring that deconditioned person to you. Um, what, what are some of the things that you've heard? Um, like what's, what's got them motivated, right? If they're deconditioned, they obviously haven't exercised in a while. So what what brought them to you? Why, why are they trying to get into it? Uh, I mean, I guess on some level they know what they need, but they don't know how to get it. So if that, mm -hmm. you know, sense of urgency grows mm -hmm. enough, then they reach out to someone. And, you know, in these cases, that someone just happened to be me. Um, but, you know, a lot of them, you know, after their first workout or two, they're like, you know, I thought I was going to hate this. I thought exercise sucked. And, you know, I was really skeptical, but this has been great or whatever. And they're just really happy about right. it. Yeah. I wonder if, um, I mean, I know I get, so again, just because I've been running and, and doing all these things for years, right? Like I get a boost when I exercise. And if I don't exercise, then I'm like, mm, I didn't exercise. And then I wouldn't say I feel bad necessarily, but there's something. Um, I wonder how many people recognize that about themselves if they have not been traditionally active, right? So there, there might be a group of people who are feeling emotionally down because they are not active, but don't associate that they could feel up if they were more active. Mm, I think that that's true. I also think that people that are that deconditioned get that kind of experience from like stretching a little bit. Cause you mm -hmm. know, if you asked them to run a mile, you know, that would be an awful experience for them. And you know, they'd be less likely to repeat it. Yeah, so you gotta find people where they are and then help them experience the joy of whatever it is doing such that when they find that joy they will repeat we will return to the experience that provided it absolutely mm -hmm. yep yeah that's it and i think <clears throat> i think a large factor in that too is, is helping people understand it can be on their own terms um exercise for somebody who's deconditioned feels like an environment in which they're not in control nobody wants to feel out of control 
Um, so helping them understand that it can be on their own terms um, and actually turn into the place where you feel the most in control, uh, at, you know, after mm -hmm. kind of getting into it. Um, that's a huge shift. Like it, it can be a source of confidence, even if it starts as a source of intimidation. Mm -hmm. uh, and for our customers, that's a lot of what we're trying to basically convince them of, right? I mean, we sell a product, great, cool if you buy our thing, but more importantly, just find something that works that you can um, start really, really small. I mean, and the thing is the, the brain is, the brain doesn't want change. The brain seeks familiarity, right? The brain doesn't judge good or bad. It just wants familiar. It wants the same thing that it had before so that everything can be comfortable. It doesn't have to run on high and make a whole bunch of decisions. It's looking for simple and familiar. And for you, you notice something missing because the changes that you're not exercising. Right. But after a while, if you if you've stopped exercising for several months, um, at some point, that's your new baseline. And then it's going to be very difficult for you to get in the gym because that's going to be the change. So I think, you know, part that's that's a really large part of it that um, you know, as exercise professionals, a lot of times people it, it's easy to miss or just as exercise fanatics trying to convince someone they care about it's easy to miss, you know, they're coming from a very different baseline, even if they agree on a high level that exercise is important or that they should move more. Uh, there's still a lot of kind of missing pieces there emotionally. Um, so, yeah. So we spend a lot of time talking about, I guess, or talking around um, exercise and fitness and physical health. Uh, but I want to switch gears and talk about, you know, the things that we put in our body, right? So the food that we eat. Um, and I'm not sure what, what y'all experience is or what your, or what, what your diet is like. Uh, but I know from my standpoint and the things that I, I look to to make sure that I definitely um, have a good um, circulation of is, is plenty of water, plenty of fruits and vegetables. Uh, we, we don't cook meat in the house anymore. Um, so we, we went from buying meat to now we don't even buy meat anymore. Um, and I'm Jamaican, so man, I, I always do oxygen, I go, of course, chicken, no, no problem. But, um, but even that now, um, everything that we cook is all vegetarian. Uh, we will go out and, and eat meat every once in a while here or there. But, but I know that has been the biggest change just throughout, I want to say, with the past two, three years um, from, from our aspect. And, I, and that all started when I started fasting a lot more. Uh, but, but I'm curious from y'all's side, you know, are there any foods that you make sure you definitely eat or that you stay away from? You know, what, what is y'all views and opinions around, you know, um, on food and the things that we put in our bodies? I really think that what should be important for people is not trying to set them up to just be doing one diet. Like people try and gear themselves up. Oh, I'm going to follow this diet forever. It's really restrictive. I find people are most successful, like trying different things periodically and just having like a flexible metabolism, you know, like people that just go into keto one time and then stay there, you know, they get sick on the way in, they get sick on the way out. If you are, you know, having high carb days, low carb days, you know, meatless days, intermittent fasting periodically, like your metabolism will be flexible and you won't get sick when there's a change in your diet. And I feel like the protection of that flexibility is more important than any one ingredient or any style of eating. Victor, Donald, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think it's a, that's an excellent answer. Uh, I mean, you, you're, you're gonna run into issues if you try to just 
if you try to set rules for yourself that are based on the actual food, um, like, oh, I'm not going to have any of this. I'm not going to have any of that. You're depriving your body of its ability to adapt. Uh, and I think that's what Sean's hinting at with the flexibility. Um, and Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, your body is pretty magical. I mean, it, it, it can it can handle a lot and it can adapt to a lot, but it'll adapt to bad things also. So you kind of have to be careful. Uh, in terms of me personally, like what I try to make sure I include in my diet, water is genuinely a difficult thing for me to, to continue drinking. Uh, not to continue drinking, but to get enough in during the day. Uh, you can read a whole bunch of different things about uh, how much water you're supposed to have and blah, blah, blah. But I'll keep coming back to this. The most important thing to realize is you, you are going to be different. There are going to be some standard things and some good guidelines, but they're just guidelines. Um, you need to find what works best for you. Drink when you're thirsty. That's a really good way to start. Um, if you find yourself think, not being thirsty. Yeah. I, I think if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Um, a lot of water consumption comes from habit. Like every 50% of everything you do is just based on the fact that you have been doing it. The Power of Habits, a great book about that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and Atomic Habit is takes the power of habit even a step further to talk about starting small and making it easy and accessible. And so, uh -huh. again, starting by drinking when you're thirsty, I think, is a really good place. You you want to get to a point where you're not thirsty for sure. But um, for me, I think it's very important to give people manageable tiny steps to take because they're more likely to develop into habits that will then Absolutely. build and put them on the yeah, right you path. have to yeah. break down a big goal into a lot of little ones professionals a lot of times people it, it's easy to miss or just as exercise fanatics trying to convince someone they care about it's easy to miss you know they're coming from a very different baseline even if they agree on a high level that exercise is important or that they should move more uh, there's still a lot of kind of missing pieces there emotionally um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would say um, from a diet perspective, we don't, um, we're probably extremely flexible. We're kind of vegetarians, right? And then every now and mm. we'll say something like, okay, no more, because I'd love to eat biscuits. And it's <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, okay, no more biscuits are going to be bought or, you know, one can per week. Um, what I would say, we, we definitely eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Um, and I got a handful, of, I may have mentioned, I got a handful of kids. One of the things we try to do too is make sure that they respect and are knowledgeable about the different food groups and mm. how to have a diverse, colorful plate. Um, there's been a you know a couple times where I, I may be volunteering somewhere and and not meaning to be critical, uh, learn that there are children who don't know what broccoli is. Um, mm. No. <laughs> what age? What age? Uh, eight, eight to ten. I mean, you know, grown kids, mm. that's, uh, children. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a it's a critical it's a critical lack of information and training and teaching, right? Uh, and it's not, it's not uncommon. You know, if you ask somebody, you know, can you point out the carrots? Um, and, and like I said, I, I, <laughs> I've been known to be judgmental, but you know, books have those words in it, right? Like C is for carrot, 
Um, <laughs> carrot, if I'm teaching you, you know, the, these different colors and stuff, like a carrot is going to show up in a book. And so many times mm -hmm. our diet is a function of our education. Uh, and mm, yeah. I think I heard someone, let's see, no, maybe, maybe somebody said that maybe some CEO of Whole Foods or something, I don't know, he said something like people's diet is because of poor choices. And it was a little bit controversial. And I think mm. controversial is that the gentleman was associated with Whole Foods. But right. I do agree that just because you're not buying the organic banana from Whole Foods doesn't mean that you didn't actively skip the fruit and vegetable aisle when you was at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. uh, and even, you know, for some folks, they have emotional relationships with meat. So, you know, if, if I tell somebody sometime, there was a time when I was a vegetarian strict. Um, and, you know, the response would be, oh, I can't even eat a meal unless there's a piece of meat on the plate. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's not the experience that I'm having right now. Um, and so I think people do find themselves emotionally attached um, uh, to the, to their food choices. And then, and then sometimes it throws off their ability to make wise decisions, especially if we then jump into this concept of, of marketing and, and a, and a consumer culture, right? Because like we're seeing commercials, if I turn on football game, my kids are not going to see a commercial from Whole Foods. They're not going to see a commercial about bananas and grapes they might see something from HEB, right? Because sometimes HEB does like an avocado farm uh, commercial, but it's not like we are promoting fruits and vegetables the way we're promoting McDonald's, Wendy's. Pizza and wings, yeah. <laughs> oh, for, for sure, yeah. for sure. And that goes Travis back. Scott didn't do a broccoli mashup. He, yeah, did, a McDonald's. he did a McDonald's collab, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, that, so that ties in with education, but also our environment, right? Environment is what you're taught, what you see, what's around you. So here it is, you know, that goes back to, you know, you know what is it that we're learning and we're passing down or you know, seeing from other people uh, through generations and time? Because you're completely right. I mean, there's definitely, you know, better choices that are out there. But for you, for, but in order for you to make the choice, you need to know what the options are. And a lot of times you don't even know what those options are because we're not taught or shared with us. So therefore, we as in a society, you know, make certain decisions because people believe that, oh, it's cheaper for me to go, you know, to, to this, you know, restaurant or to this fast food place or, to the, or, or you know, this area, you know, versus you could probably get the same thing if you just knew how to incorporate other options into, into your diet. And sometimes just being open to other options, right? Like you might get exposed to, I'm going to just choose a random, this is the, the quintessential uh, healthy grain, quinoa, right? Like you might get exposed to quinoa or kale or something like that, but the way you're exposed to it, you associate it with a certain type of person and you don't think you're that type of person. Oh, that's for hippies or that's for hopefully people or that's for whatever else. And like you're, you're missing out on something that you might find tasty that might actually be good for you. 
Um, so I think sometimes it's, it's a resource barrier, education barrier, uh, but also sometimes it's just us. Um, I know in my family, uh, a large, my mom's side of the family is from Springfield, Ohio. Uh, I don't know what the population is, but it is very small. It's probably less than a hundred thousand. Um, the big name restaurants there are like Bob Evans and, uh, something else that's very similar to that. Uh, oh, Bob Evans and Cracker Barrel. Those are like, yeah, I was going to say Cracker Barrel. I know that area. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, let's, we're going out tonight. Like, yeah, let's, let's do a big Bob Evans or Cracker Barrel. Right. And so it's every, there's, there's one main street, uh, could be called main street actually. Uh, and, and there's every fast food thing you've ever seen. There's Long John Silver's and McDonald's and Arby's and Burger King and pizza. It's just back to back to back to back to back. Um, and, and when folks have visited us here, Austin tends to lean a little bit healthier, at least as you're downtown, there's a lot of unique options I'll say from all over the world and this and that and there's not really a desire to venture outside of what they're comfortable with um, and in, in this case it's not it's not a money issue it's not an education issue it's just uh, I don't eat that have you ever tried it no oh well then I'm confused about why you're saying you don't eat that <laughs> you might love it so I think sometimes it's just that too, um, which is the easiest one to get over, right? If you don't have enough money to buy stuff, that's one thing that, that, that that's difficult. Uh, if you don't know what broccoli is, that just breaks my heart at eight, at eight years old, to be honest. Um, but if, if you're just getting in the way, then yeah, get out of your way. Try something new. And even um, like you said, that Travis Scott, Travis Scott Burger, I guess they got a they they're getting ready to target the um, Hispanic population with maybe Blavin has a mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But like, yep. okay, where's the where's the hip hop artist for quinoa? Because I remember there was a commercial yeah. that was like that was clowning a cat for putting a quinoa burger on the grill, um, mm. and that it while it's funny to some people it's actually harmful. Yeah, exactly. Right, because quinoa is probably found somewhere close to other healthy foods. But mm -hmm. now you see a quinoa sitting next to some kale, you associate getting clowned for quinoa with getting clowned for kale, with getting clowned for salad, yep. eating things, right? And nobody's trying to get clowned, you know what I mean? So. Exactly, yep. And it goes right back to identity. You know, it's like if, if you don't want to be associated with that, then you're not going to do it. You're not going to try it. I would like to, um, if y'all haven't heard of Sassy's, have y'all heard of Sassy's? Man, Sassy's is delicious. Vegetarian soul food? I'm just making delicious. sure everybody knows. How do you spell it? Come on with it. S-A-S-S-Y, apostrophe S. It's a vegetarian soul food spot. And, you know, to to the point about kind of culture and environment, soul food specifically is just mm. not something you associate with healthy, right? right? Healthy in the sense of making you feel good and family and all those things. But in terms of nutrition, soul food is really on the opposite end of that, whether it's gravy or cheese or meat or whatever. Uh, sweet potatoes. Um, 
Oh, Jesus. Actually, you know, my yeah. man, so I take my family to see my mom, and then we have to come back and, like, detox. I, you know, is this the beer? Mm. I love mm-hmm. your mom, though. Don't play this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I love the food, but at the same time, you know, like, my kids have a little bit of food allergy, and they be coming back, uh, you know, stomach tore up, skin broken out. Mm. But that's because the butter, eggs, sugar. I'm like, bro. Yep. This is it's Give, delicious, but at the same time, come on. Give Sassy's a, a shot because I yeah, think I, I think it's right gonna here. take it's gonna take people like that kind of flipping the script a little bit, right? It's like, oh, let's let's take the things that we love about soul food and let's just you know swap out an ingredient or two here and there. Let's let's swap out this butter. Let's swap out this cheese. Mm-hmm. Let's swap out some of this meat for something else. But I tell you right now. If I would have just said sassy and didn't say it was vegetarian and somehow you would have been able to go and order the chicken and waffles without actually knowing it wasn't chicken and waffles, right. I'm pretty sure you'd be just as satisfied. Yeah, yeah. Her greens are amazing. She's got a shrimp dish that's amazing. I mean, I don't want to nice. turn this into a sassy commercial, but yeah, I'm going to hook it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's the innovation that we need in order to convince people that is that it's all right, you know. And on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com.